What's up, Crypt Nation? Today is Thursday, August 29th. It's a great day. Tomorrow's going to be Friday. And we got a Saturday. And then we have the day that everybody has been waiting for. On Sunday, September 1st, the winner of BRD's one Bitcoin giveaway is going to be announced in the app. So remember, go ahead, download BRD, poke around the app, generate your wallet. You're going to get prompted by a golden ticket giveaway. And you go ahead, you click that, you're going to be entered for a chance to win one shiny, freshly minted Bitcoin. And you probably have your life changed forever. Mm. I prefer Bitcoin of the more vintage variety. You know, <laughs> one that's gotten around the block a few times. Well, you know, it's different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Crypt Nation, please let us know if it's you, because we would love to bring you on the show to talk about your experience using the BRD wallet and what you're going to be doing with your wealth. So without further ado, Bryce, uh, why don't you introduce today's guest? Absolutely. Yeah, we're joined today by Ed Felton, and he's, I mean, wouldn't you say he's probably one of the most impressive guests we've had on the show? Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, we're we're honored to be joined by him, and let's just kick it off, right? So for starters, he was the deputy CTO for the White House uh, under the Obama administration. What a uh, CTO of a White House does, I don't know, but we're going to get into that. Uh, he's a computer science professor at Princeton, uh, and he's the chief scientist at Offchain Labs, uh, who are building a bunch of products for developers to bring a lot of efficiency and safety to their smart contract development. And on top of it all, he's just a really genuine chap. So Ed, we couldn't be more thrilled to speak with you today. Welcome to Crypt Nation, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. We are very excited to dive in today, man. You've just got a renowned career in the field of computer science. I mean, all the things that we just mentioned, but the resume goes on and on. So today we're going to talk about how Off-Chain Labs is revolutionizing Ethereum smart contracts. We're going to talk about your time at the White House. But the first thing I'm really curious about is why you decided to tackle the field of cryptocurrencies and what specifically led you to start solving problems in the space. I've been interested in cryptocurrencies for uh, quite a while, going back to around 2012 or 13. And partly because they were, cryptocurrencies and blockchain were really unlike a lot of things that had happened in computer science before. These systems were trying to do something that nobody knew how to do before. And it just seemed to me like, a, first of all, a really powerful tool for solving a lot of interesting problems that people cared about, number one. And number two, it started out for me as an intellectual puzzle to understand how do these things work, what good can they do, and how can I understand sort of how to, uh, how to try to make them better. Uh, and so that's where it started. And over a long period of time, I, you know, I've been interested in following the area. I worked on um, cryptocurrency stuff a little bit when I was working in the White House. And then when I came out, um, uh, some um, really great ideas came out of the research that was going on in my lab. And that's what led to, the, to creating this company. Awesome. And what's the name of the product that you're launching at Off-Chain Labs? The product we're making is called Arbitrum, and it's a platform that uh, lets you make smart contracts faster and cheaper than on other systems. Could you define a smart contract for us and, and how you're making it uh, faster and cheaper? One way to think about it is you have a bunch of people who want to interact online. And um, usually when you're interacting with somebody online, traditionally, the um, uh, whatever is managing the interaction is running on somebody's computer. So if you and I are interacting, it's maybe it's running on my computer, maybe it's running on yours. And if it's running on my computer that's sort of managing your resources and um, my interaction with you, you might be nervous because you might not trust my computer. Um, if it's running on your computer, then I might be nervous. So um, what smart contracts let you do is create a kind of worldwide shared computer 
that everybody can trust. It does this by taking advantage of, um, of the things that make cryptocurrency technologies go. Um, but the vision basically is that you can have com a computer or a virtual computer that's managing an interaction between people. And um, there isn't somebody else whose device you have to trust. The smart contract sort of runs truly in the cloud, um, in the cryptocurrency system. So that opens up new kinds of applications that, were, that weren't possible before. To make all that go, there's a lot of um, relatively complicated interaction between machines all around the world. And basically what we're trying to do with our technology is try to make that whole process much faster and more efficient while still giving you that strong so-called trustless property that you don't have to trust any individual person or company um, for your stuff to run correctly. Fascinating. I mean, what's one of the reasons why uh, we can't trust one another's devices um, and that we have to have this you know, new sort of trusted execution environment? Well, you know, there's this old saying that possession is nine-tenths of the law. Basically, if somebody has something in their physical control that, um, you know, that it's, it's sort of theirs um, and they can control what it does. And the same is true about computers. If something is running on my machine, I can look at it. If, my, if your data is stored on my computer, I can look at it. If you're buying and selling things with me and that market is managed by my computer, I can sort of get an advantage. I can see what your plans are. I can stop something. Um, I sort of, I have more control and more power over what's happening, more visibility into other people's information if it's running on my computer, right? And so the idea, this ideal that we're going to have something which isn't controlled by anybody, but actually is run in a kind of neutral setting where we know it will happen according to the rules and nobody has a greater advantage to peak or control what's happening than anybody else, that sort of lets us have a degree of fairness in our interactions, and we don't have to worry about the fact that all of our data is on some particular company's um, devices. That's awesome. So smart contracts are really leveling the playing field, it sounds like. That's the idea, right? They're supposed to level the playing field. They're supposed to create this setting where nobody has the, the advantage of controlling the computer on which something runs. Everything's happening out in the open. Everybody can see the code that is managing the interaction. Uh, you don't have to worry that I put something special into the code or that there's some backdoor there that I or some hacker has put in because you can look at it and it's all out there in the open. So in terms of how smart contracts are actually going to come to affect our lives, you know, our daily lives, you know, I guess there's the first question is, will smart contracts be pervasive in everyday life? And, and if so, what are ways that we can uh, expect to see them unfold in the future? I think we're going to see the use of smart contracts for a bunch of things. We're going to see them for um, some kinds of commercial transactions good example of that is, say you're buying, a, I don't know, a bicycle from somebody. Um, you, if you don't know them, you might want to put the money in escrow. So the money is held by some entity. And, um, you know, if they give you the bike um, and everything is as it should be, then the money will go on to them. If not, you'll get your money back. And, and there'll be some kind of a structured process for dealing with that. So that's escrow is a good example of the kind of thing that a smart contract can do. Um, but you don't have to have some person who's holding the money um, where you have to worry about, are they going to run off? Are they going to forget about you? And just like the money's going to sit in their, in their inbox forever. Um, so you're going to see it, I think, in settings like that. You're going to see it in financial markets. 
Um, there's a lot of concern about things like high-speed trading or the fairness of various sorts of financial markets. Do some parties have advantages over other parties in getting their trades in fast? And so you're going to be able to have financial markets that are much more open and transparent. You're also, I think, going to see a lot of this in applications like gaming, where people really care about, say, whether the leaderboard for some online game is being kept fairly, or whether, say, an online uh, poker game that you're playing, whether it's for money or for chips, how, how are you going to make sure that that's really fair? Uh, so really any setting where you're interacting with people online and you're, there's a concern about fairness, there's a concern about making sure that some rules are followed, smart contracts are able to do that. And I think we'll start to see them coming in as they become more practical over time. Is there anything that you notice in society today that is currently run on smart contracts? Or is there something that you guys are building at Offchain Labs yourself that might be the first? Well, I think we're in a little bit of a chicken and egg situation with smart contracts. Um, and the reason is that smart contract technologies today exist, but they're not very efficient. What that means is that the um, if you think about this sort of public co shared computer that um, smart contracts create, it exists, but it's just very, very slow. And storage, it, storage and computation on the shared computer are very, very limited. And the result is that almost anything that you'd like to do that is interesting requires too many resources on today's smart contracts. But that's going to change when the next generation of smart contract technologies come in. And that includes what we're building, Arbitrum at Offchain Labs. And also, there's a bunch of other people working as well to try to build this. Uh, once the capacity of smart contracts get larger, where you can start to do things like build financial markets or implement realistic, interesting games, where the cost of using these things comes down. So it's not dollars, but it's fractions of a penny to create and run a smart contract. Uh, then I think you really open up the whole, um, the whole field and you see this sort of Cambrian explosion of new applications coming on. Uh, but we're not there yet. Right now, people are just dipping their toes in the water and you see a lot of experimentation, but not a lot of commercial activity happening yet. I like what you said there about, you know, the Cambrian explosion of applications is upon us, but it almost feels like right now we are in the Cambrian explosion of different sorts of smart contract platforms, if you will. Uh, Ethereum and Cardano, EOS, Definity, are all smart contracts created equal? What are some similarities and differences between all these? Well, there are a lot of differences, and every one of these systems sort of sits at a different place in a really big and complicated space. So there's a bunch of different kinds of trade-offs that, um, that exist between different smart contract systems. There are things like um, uh, some systems are good at handling closed contracts where there's a fixed set of parties who are known at the beginning. Others are better at serving um, contracts that are sort of big and open where anybody can participate and you might have hundreds or thousands of participants in a contract. Some of them make computation cheaper. Some of them make storage cheaper. Some of them give you finality of a transaction much faster. The finality time of a transaction, that is how long it is basically from when the user pushes a button to ask for something until that thing is like fully done and locked in. In some systems, that is a fraction of a second. In others, it's as long as five minutes. There are also differences about privacy. Um, are, the, um, are the details of what's in your smart contract visible to everybody in the world, or are they only visible to you and the other participants? There's differences in trust. That is, um, do you have to trust certain parties? Do you, how centralized or decentralized are systems? 
So lots of different choices, lots of different trade-offs. And many of these systems trade away some of those good things in order to get other, other ones of them, other good things. Um, and so I think we're going to see a shakeout over time when it becomes clear who's able to deliver what they promise and uh, which of the many good things that people want um, are actually valued more by, by end users. So we are in this kind of point where there's all kinds of weird creatures roaming the earth, but eventually they're coming into competition and uh, some of them are going to win out. And I think we'll see a limited number of systems probably in the medium to longer term um, stabilizing and getting most of the business. Have you any information on the major cloud players entering the smart contract business like Google or AWS, where if they were to offer smart contracts already on their existing cloud platforms, maybe they might even perform a lot better than these distributed models. I mean, what's being done to try and outpace this potential competition or even takeover? There are a bunch of different ways that this can develop. Uh, certainly, you see some smart contract systems that are more centralized, where you have maybe one party or maybe just a few parties who manage everything for you. Um, I think those systems, those systems are good for some purposes, but um, really I think they have limited value because the main value of smart contracts is to get away from a situation where there's one actor or one company who really runs all of your computing and uh, who has all that power over you. Uh, I think we will see um, a growth of uh, people putting parts of smart contract systems out into these cloud services, uh, cryptocurrency systems generally and smart contract systems, many smart contract systems also rely on having a large number of different actors all around the world who participate in uh, making the system go. And some of those actors will choose to put their computing into a cloud service. Uh, and so certainly cloud services are going to play and cloud computing services are going to play a role. Um, and, um, but I don't think you're going to see systems that are, uh, that are wholly controlled by one company. Um, I think the companies that are like ours that are building in this space, most of us are trying to create infrastructure, which is out there in a sort of open source way. Um, and uh, to try to operate in a cryptocurrency kind of style, which means decentralized and with lots of people having their hands on the technology and lots of people making their own decisions about what the technology is going to do. Is it more important to have really good software code that, that can execute quickly? Or is it more important to have a lot of really good hardware or just a ton of any type of hardware to get a really well-functioning, scalable? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply decentralized supercomputer well you're i mean you really need all of that um that um you know good hardware and good software go together um the thing that's really distinctive about cryptocurrencies and and uh, i think the sustainable smart contract systems is decentralized control Uh, but as these uh as these areas mature you'll see both decentralized control but also a lot of the players who are exercising little bits of that decentralized control having sophisticated hardware and software infrastructure. Um, so that's part, of the, the, that's part of the sector maturing. And ideally, you have something where those who want to hire a service from a sophisticated operator will be, able to, will be able to do that. They'll be able to hire that service and take advantage of the economies of scale and the sophisticated work that big players can do, but also that you'll have a lot of choices of who you can go to and a lot of transparency about what they're doing. So that's, that's kind of the world that I hope we get to. Lots of robust competition and um, uh, between, between actors who are, who are really making investments and doing technically sophisticated work, as well as space for, um, for small startups and others to come in at the bottom. I think it's really cool that as an average consumer, we can participate in this stuff. If our desktop is left on at home while we're at work, which it normally is anyway, now it can potentially be put to use. Uh, we might even be able to earn some cryptocurrency from it, depending on what kind of platform uh, we're supporting. And uh, we can choose. So there's a lot of different ways. And now there's uh, going to be economic competition between these companies as well to offer the best incentive for the consumer to lend them their computing power. Looking at it from where we sit, um, a system, you know, if we're making a system that isn't open, where the approaches we're using, the code we're using is not available to people, doesn't run everywhere, um, then um, you know it's pretty hard to compete in this space. Uh, openness and the ability of anybody to participate seems to be fundamental. Um, and that's really exciting um, because, especially for a startup, because it lets us compete sort of on the merits against some of the bigger players. People can look at the details of what we're doing. They can look at the details of what our competitors are doing and they can make up their own minds. Um, and certainly there's, there's a lot of end users who are looking for something that's easy to use. There's also quite a few sophisticated people who really want to sort of look under the hood and see how well this stuff works and what, what's really sort of the, the strongest and, and most sustainable. Crypt Nation, just a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by BRD, the easiest wallet to store all your digital currency in. And in case you forgot, BRD is still doing a one Bitcoin giveaway and the winner is revealed in app on Sunday, September 1st. So if you have BRD already, go ahead, open up your app. You're going to get prompted with a golden ticket for your chance to win. And if you haven't downloaded it yet, the clock is ticking. And just to put that in perspective, that's one Bitcoin out of 21 million total Bitcoin that will ever exist. There are over 7 billion people in the world and there's 42 million millionaires in the world, which means if every millionaire wanted to buy one Bitcoin, they couldn't. And that is the power of a truly scarce asset in a world of fiat currencies with constantly inflating supplies. So 
Just think about that for a minute as we continue this interview. So how do nodes in your system come to consensus? Is it a proof of stake system or is it something else? Well, we build on top of Ethereum, which is um, the biggest system that right now that supports smart contracts. Um, and basically what we do, the way we, one way to think about what we do is if you have a smart contract that's written to run on Ethereum, you can sort of slip our Arbitrum layer in between your smart contract and Ethereum. And we give you um, basically compatibility with Ethereum, but we give you much better performance. Um, and, so, um, uh, and so we try to give the best of both worlds. But because we run on top of Ethereum right now, we don't have our own token and we don't have our own consensus mechanism. We rely on, uh, on Ethereum's consensus mechanism. So it's kind of like an Ethereum Under Armour? In a way, yeah, exactly. That's right. It's, it sort of sits in there and it, it sits in there between your smart contract and Ethereum and it makes your smart contract better in, in a bunch of ways. Um, but it still maintains the compatibility with what you're used to. That sounds awesome. I've actually never heard of anything like that. So is there somebody else uh, in the space that's working on a similar type of, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not a side chain. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't quite have a word for it. We talk about sort of using, uh, using Arbitrum as uh, we talk about Arbitrum channels, which is sort of like a thing called state channels. Um, and we talk about Arbitrum chains, which is a, another way. There's different ways of using it. Um, and we, we think flexibility is one of the benefits of it, but I can't think of another system that gets the degree of compatibility with Ethereum that I think we do. I um I mean I remember back in the day there was I think it was uh, November 2017 there was a, a big parity uh, wallet hack that resulted in something like 150 million dollars in losses and then everybody remembers the DAO hack in 2016 uh, when the Ethereum Ethereum Classic fork happened. Um, is Arbitrum doing something to inhibit how these hacks happen um, is kind of the first question. But also, I guess, maybe the question that should be preceding that question is, how do these hacks even happen? Well, uh, yeah. So the, the thing about smart contracts is that um, you're kind of making a deal with the other part participants of the system, which is you're agreeing on what is the code that is going to run your smart contract. And then the system, the, the, crypt, the smart contract system will execute that code exactly as it's specified. Um, and the problem is if there's an error or bug in, this, in the code that says what your smart contract should do, um, a standard smart contract system will do that wrong thing exactly as it's written in the code. Uh, you know, anybody who works with computers knows this problem that if something, if there's an error in the software, the machine will, will with absolute faithfulness do that wrong thing that the software tells it to do. Um, and smart contracts are no different. Um, and so there is, you know, there is risk and people have to be super careful when they're developing these technologies to try to avoid those sorts of errors. Um, you know, just like with any kind of high stakes software that people write, um, you know, so when we think about what we're doing um, at Offchain Labs um, in building Arbitrum, the first thing is we try not to make this problem worse, right? If you have a if you have a bug or error in your smart contract, that could be a problem for you. We do maybe provide a little bit of help. One of the um, one of the interesting aspects of, of Arbitrum is that 
when you create a contract, you can name a group of what we call validators, which are a bunch of parties, anybody you choose, who are jointly responsible for making sure that your contract is going to execute correctly. Um, and the guarantee we give you is that um, as long as it, even one of them is honest, that your contract is going to execute um, according to its code. But one of the interesting implications of that is that if all of your validators agree that there's something wrong with your contract, basically if everybody involved in the contract agrees that there's something wrong, it is possible to fix it within the system. Um, and it's a little bit unusual. Um, Arbitrum is a little bit unusual in having that capability. It does require a unanimous agreement of everybody who's involved. And if you think about it, that makes sense. Um, but, um, but, but if you do have that agreement, you can try to fix a problem. Still, the best course is to not make that mistake, not have that bug in your code, and, uh, uh, and, and pay a lot of attention to getting the code in your contract right from the beginning. Well, let's back up just a little bit because everyone listening wants to know, what was it like working in the White House? It was, it was an amazing experience to work there, worked with a lot of really smart people, it's a very high stress job. It's um, it feels like it's very high stakes because pretty much every day you have you're doing something that is literally life and death for somebody. Yeah, it kind of seems like it's like the highest stakes job in the world. And a lot of days it feels like that. And you know, just getting used to that was a big part of it. Um, but also, you get to see a lot of and meet and hear a lot of amazing people, see a lot of interesting things. And you get to see how decisions are made um, about a lot of different topics. Um, and so it was a wonderful education for me and really an experience I wouldn't give up for anything. So how did you land that role as deputy CTO of the United States? I, I guess like a lot of high-level government positions, it's, it's kind of informal. The whole conversation that led to me getting the, do the job just started with me having a meeting with some people who were on the White House staff. Um, about a particular policy issue I've been working on. And afterwards we went to lunch and the conversation turned to one thing or another. And you know, the conversation went on as it did. And um, uh, somebody asked me, hey, you know, is there any chance that you would, might ever be interested in working here? And I thought about it a little bit. I said, yeah, maybe. Um, and you know, what, from there one thing led to another. So you, know, you think of the government as being, especially the White House as being sort of this super formal, super bureaucratic place. But we went from that first conversation to an informal offer to have me come there uh, in about a week and a half. I don't think we're ever going to have another, you know, former government official on the show or anything like that. So uh, we definitely appreciate that color. And, you know, what were the kind of problems or policies that you were actually working on while you were there? You know, if you can speak about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I can talk in general about a lot of the stuff. Um, probably the, the thing I spent the most time on working at the White House was to help set up a national strategy and um, a policy initiative on artificial intelligence and machine learning. We, um, we consulted with experts across the government. We had um, a bunch of con public conferences, issued a bunch of reports, and really tried to sort of get the government moving a little bit on these issues. So I worked on that. I worked a lot on issues around cybersecurity and encryption and privacy. I worked on a bunch of issues related to regulation, things like self-driving cars and drones. Um, I worked on some national security things uh, related to um, mostly counterterrorism. Um, 
really it's a very it's an extremely varied uh, role. I worked on uh, computer science education, um, things like both sort of big education programs and little things like helping to cheerlead for a new uh, uh, advanced placement exam in computer science and for more students to take that, for more people to become computer science teachers. Um, a lot of different things. It seemed like every day was a different, um, a different issue. And uh, that, that's one of the really interesting and fun things about that kind of job. I've actually been to the White House once. My buddy was an intern uh, for the advance team at uh, the Obama administration. It's just cool to be there. You never know what you're going to see. You know, one day I came around the corner and there was R2-D2 and two stormtroopers. <laughs> Sounds very exciting. Ed, before we before we let you go here, um, you know, we kind of want to just get some some valuable insight from you. You know, if this was the first podcast somebody uh, was listening to in the space, uh, they never heard about blockchain or crypto, and, and you kind of wanted to give them your first piece of advice that you think is, you know, the most, you know, fundamental or most primordial type of advice you could give to somebody listening. What do you think that would be? I mean, I guess big picture, I would say two things. First of all, in the short term, you should be skeptical. There's a lot of ideas flying around. Some of them are great ideas. Some of them are not great ideas. Um, and so you should be skeptical of what you hear in the short run. But on the other hand, in the long run, this is an incredibly promising technology. It is going to be transformative. Um, and so, you know, if those who are paying attention and are in it for the long haul, um, I think we're going to see a tremendous change and we're going to see amazing opportunities. Aside from off-chain labs, what can you name as you know, maybe two or three companies that you think are having the biggest impact? Well, there's a bunch of companies doing interesting things in um, the space we're in, which is sort of layer two scalability solutions. Um, there are companies like Seller and Loom that are in that space, for example, uh, that are doing interesting stuff. Um, I always hesitate to name examples because I'm going to leave somebody out. Somebody would be unhappy. Um, uh, those are some examples. There's a lot of people doing interesting stuff, trying to figure out what is the right mix of approaches. Um, there's companies that are working on doing using super sophisticated cryptography, so-called zero-knowledge proofs in this space. Uh, Starkware is an example of that. Um, really, there's an explosion of different ideas. And um, you can go to a trade show and you can see booth after booth of companies working on scaling solutions. Um, I really like ours. I think we have something unique, but, um, um, but the competition is good. Love it. Thank you so much. You know, if you guys want to stay in touch with Ed or at Off Chain Labs, I think the best way is to, to follow them on Twitter at Off Chain Labs uh, and then at Ed Felton. That's at E-D-F-E-L-T-E-N. They are very active on Twitter um, and you could always garner some, some fresh insights from there and, and stay posted because there's lots of fun announcements coming from Off Chain Labs here in the near term. Ed, thank you for your time today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.